0: Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went after Jesus. As we look at this passage, I want us to really pray that God would get hold our heart to follow after Jesus. If if we really believe that Jesus changes everything, if we really believe that he has brought us forgiveness of our sin, and the bad news of our guilt has been overcome by the good news of his forgiving love through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, If we really believe that uh, through Jesus, the bad news of distance between us and God has been erased because Jesus has ushered us into the family of God and poured his spirit within us, if we really believe that the bad news of, of, of being incapable of pleasing our Creator, has been overwhelmed by the good news that now, indwelled by the Spirit of God, we are capable and able to bring pleasure to the heart of God. And if we really believe that Jesus, who conquered the grave, who conquered our sin, who defeated and crushed the head of the serpent, Satan, if we really believe that Jesus is victorious, then we can live in daily victory. If we really believe that then we ought to give everything we are to follow him. If we really believe that Jesus changes everything, then you and I ought to give everything we are to follow him. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is meddling. I'm not your pastor, but he's invited me. Are you giving everything that you are to follow Jesus? Everything. Not partially, not halfway, not when you feel like it or when you feel good. Are you giving everything that you are to follow Jesus? Mark's gospel tells of Simon and Andrew. James and John, they left everything to follow Jesus. I I think it's hilarious the way uh, James and John, they left their father in the boat with the the other manual laborers. He left them in the boat, and they went after Jesus because they believed that Jesus changes everything. What's holding you back from following after Jesus? You know, following Jesus is different than just having good thoughts about Jesus. Following Jesus is different than merely showing up to church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Monday night or a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. Those are good things. Don't get me wrong, they're essential things. But that's not the sum of following Jesus. You flip over a few pages. To Mark chapter 8, verse 34. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Following Jesus is self-denial. Not self-exaltation, it's self-denial. It's where I deny myself in order to be all in with Jesus. It's where the center of gravity of our daily life is no longer me, but it's a reckless abandon to the will of God. It's where we absolutely give all that we are For him, our time, our talent, our treasure, our resources, our thought life, our dating life, our our jobs, everything we give for his glory, for his honor, for his fame, that is following after Jesus. Following Jesus is self-denial, following Jesus is sacrificial, not self-serving. To take up your cross, that wasn't sentimental, hallmark kind of language. That was cruel sacrifice. You take up your cross, you're walking a path of of death. You're walking a path of pain. You're walking a path of suffering for the cause of Christ and the glory of God. That's following Jesus. Following Jesus is Christ-exalting not filled with selfish ambition. following Jesus means that our first thought in the morning, our continual thoughts throughout the day, and our last thought when we go to bed at night is, how do I make much of Jesus? How do I let people know who Jesus is? How can I show Jesus off in the way I live and walk and talk? in my relationships, at my work, at school, wherever I am, everywhere I go. Because Jesus changes everything, because he's changed everything for me, I'm going to give everything that I am for him. I'm going to follow him. Following Jesus isn't just being a good Southern Baptist cat daddy. Following Jesus means wholesale abandon. For the good of God's glory in every way. So, really the question is, are you following Jesus? Now, one of the things about following Jesus is it's good. Oh my goodness, following Jesus is good. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, "Uh, uh, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness any longer, but have the light that gives life. So, John uh, John, eight, twelve. whoever follows me, if anyone's following me, they're not going to walk in darkness. You're not going to walk in the shadows of, of darkness and despair and doubt because following Jesus erases those things. It gives you security in life, stability in the today and, and uh, in the future. You are Living in darkness. You're not covered up by the darkness of sin's despair. But you've been set free from the cell of your shame and condemnation that once bound you. You are now fully alive and you follow Jesus and you have the light that gives life in every step you take. And it's not that every step is easy. It's not. Those steps can be hard. They can be challenging. They can be tough. They can be difficult, they can be dangerous, but every step you take is filled with life because you're walking in the steps of the giver of life. Are you following Jesus? Now, following, Jesus uh, following Jesus is uh, soul-nourishing. It's life-giving, but it's also soul-nourishing. In John chapter 10, you know John 10, Jesus said, I'm the door Uh, to the sheep, and the sheep come in, and they pasture there. And then he says in John 10, 10, I'm the good shepherd. And then he says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, um, he said, I'm the good shepherd. I know uh, 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 my my sheep know my voice, and I know my sheep. Can I tell you something about that? What Jesus is promising when we follow him is that we are under the direct care of his goodness, his grace, his power, his love. Everything that we read in the 23rd Psalm, normally at funerals, applies to our everyday life. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, gives those things, shovels them our way every single day as we walk in his steps. As we are covered in his dust. As we are living each moment, um, looking for him to give us the words that give us life, the direction that gives us hope, the courage that gives us strength. We're looking to Jesus. We're living for Jesus. We are following Jesus. And he is our good shepherd. And we shall never want. He leads us in the uh, green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. And he restores, nourishes our soul. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yes, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. For he is with us, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. Thou preparest a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And you anoint our head with oil and our cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's because Jesus is our good shepherd and we're walking in his steps. We're following him. And today, the biggest dilemma that the church has. By the way, the church, this church, the church is God's plan A for this world. You know, we look at the world today and we say, oh my goodness, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And it is. It is. It is. We look at the culture and we say, how disappointing and how disastrous. We look at the culture and we say, it's chaotic, it's crazy, it's insane. We, We look at the landscape of our world and we say, oh my goodness, it's terrible. You, yes, you are God's plan to turn it around. You are not a politician, not a government, not a philosophy. God has established this church to follow after Jesus and to make a difference in our world every single day so that the gospel will be shared, the light will come on, lives will be changed. And praise God, Jesus will return. But you're plan A. We are plan A. So maybe instead of just complaining about how bad things are, maybe, maybe, again, I'm meddling, I'm sorry. Instead of just complaining about how bad things are, maybe our task should be following after Jesus and doing what he's called us to do which is to be fishers of men. See the thing we learn about following Jesus is it is life-giving and soul-nourishing it is it it, it is good. It is good for the soul. It gives us security and stability. All those things are true regardless of the circumstances that we face. But following Jesus is not a hobby. You know, fly fishing for me is a hobby. I tie my own flies, that's a hobby. I spend a lot of money on it, but it's still a hobby. Following Jesus is not a hobby. Following Jesus is the way, the way of life. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. If Jesus really does change everything, then we're going to leave everything to follow him. And following Jesus isn't just a part-time job. It's not just a minor uh, uh, ingredient in our calendar. Following Jesus is everything. I mean, everything. So, when you follow Jesus... You have a new vocation. You might say, well, that's easy for you to say. You're a preacher. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I wish I weren't. That's not a joke. Sometimes I wish I weren't. I was an accounting major in college. This isn't something that I asked for, and it's something that I didn't want to do, and it's something that I ran from for as long as I could possibly run from it and six and a half years of college to prove it. but I am a preacher. Still doesn't change anything. When we follow Jesus, he gives us a new calling. Every letter that Paul wrote, almost every letter that Paul wrote, begins with an address to the saints of God in the local church. Saint doesn't mean that you're perfect. It's not like Mother Teresa kind of saint. It doesn't mean that you're particularly good. It just means that you've been set apart by God for a particular purpose purpose. That's who you are. And That's who I am. And God has set us apart and he's given us a new way of life. We hear this in 2 Corinthians 5, right? I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, you know it. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And all these things are from God who has reconciled us to himself. And he's given us the ministry, the word of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world, world Reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses against them and he has uh, given to us the ministry of reconciliation We therefore now are ambassadors for Christ for Christ as though God were imploring through us We beg you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God For God made him Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him now a new creation has a new way of life. And that new way of life includes the word of reconciliation, which is the gospel message. That word of reconciliation means that we have a new ministry, a new lifestyle, and that is the ministry of reconciliation. Being a minister of reconciliation makes every single one of us an ambassador for Jesus, going onto hostile territory, giving people who are far from God the terms of peace between them and a holy God. This is your life, and it's mine. Regardless of if you're a farmer or a welder or a banker or a teacher or a pastor or a student, regardless of what you're doing or a state trooper. Listen, let me give you my my license plate number. Because I was speeding, and I'm confessing this publicly. This isn't on camera, is it? Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm playing. Um, but regardless, regardless of what job you have, your vocation given to you, set apart for this special purpose is the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus summed it up say, I'll make you fishers of men and women. That's that's what your job is. So when you leave this place, you need to leave as a fisherman or fisherwoman looking for opportunities to make much of Jesus to those who are far from God. That is our calling. This is God's plan A. Do you know what caused the world, the ancient world, to turn upside down? It wasn't that uh, the church was powerful. It wasn't. It was filled with paupers and had no political influence. It wasn't that it was filled with great thinkers. Paul was a pretty stout thinker, but he wasn't known as the greatest philosopher of his day. It wasn't because they uh, had uh, the influence of kings uh, around or, or, or anything like... You know, what turned the world upside down were common folk, most of them poor. Common folk without power, influence, or money who really believed that Jesus changed their life. And they would go to their neighbors and their friends and their co-workers. And they would say, Jesus changed my life. He can change your life too. Let me tell you about him. And that changed the world. It literally changed the world. Within four decades, the world was overrun <laughs> by followers of Jesus. Jesus. But we all have to get on board following Jesus. We've got to set aside those ambitions that we have that take preeminence over our supreme ambition of glorifying God. Uh, We have to set aside our own preferences that become more important than glorifying and honoring and obeying God. We have to set aside self and not be ashamed of Jesus. Mark eight thirty eight says whoever is ashamed of me uh, and my word uh, in front of people I'll be ashamed of them when they get before the throne of God. Now, we, we can't be ashamed even though it's going to give people a reason to call us an educated, hick, fanatic, out of touch, irrelevant. Not all those things they're going to say about us, but you know what? We believe that the power of God is greater than the mean words people might say. And the power of the gospel can change that person's heart. It's not the power of our words, it's not the power of our rhetoric, it's not the power of our um, imagination. No, it's the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. I'm not ashamed. I must not be ashamed. See, following Jesus isn't a part-time deal for us. It's not something we do when we feel like it. It's not something we do on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday night. Following Jesus is your life. It's my life so everywhere i go everything i do everything i say every interaction i have should be a reflection of a heart and a life that's following my master my king king jesus are you following jesus I mean, it really comes down to this. See, following Jesus changes everything about our life. Everything. Following Jesus changes the way we say things to other people. It changes the focus of our heart. It changes the way we um, think about gathering together as the church. It changes the way we uh, go into our community. It changes the way we do our work, the way we make our money, the way we speak to our friends at school, it changes everything. See, it's no longer about me, it's all about him. How do I represent him? How do I share him? How do I communicate his goodness to my neighbors? One of the great things about following Jesus is that as we follow him, As Psalm 23 says, his steadfast love, his goodness will chase after us every single day, all the way into eternity. And guys, there is no safer, more secure, more satisfying place to be than following Jesus and his steadfast love chasing after us. So, uh, really, when it comes down to the simplicity of this passage, it is simple. And Jesus approached four fishermen, and he said, follow me. And they left everything to follow him. And they followed him, And these four fishermen would become some of the greatest influencers for God's kingdom that the world has ever known. Not because of their intellect, not because of their charm, not because of their charisma, not because of their education, not because of their money, but because they were all in. The center of gravity of their lives was no longer me, but it was now Jesus. That's what it means to follow him. Are you following Jesus? The other thing I would say is following Jesus is no respecter of age. I was saved when I was 11 years old. came came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and King when I was 11 years old. And the command for me to follow Jesus is just as urgent today at 54 as it was when I was 11 years old. You don't retire out of following Jesus. In fact, I would contend that it becomes even more urgent as we get closer to eternity that we give all that we are, every piece of every fiber, every fabric of our being to making much of Jesus in our family, in our relationships, at our work, at home? Are you following Jesus? I have down here talking about fishing, but I won't talk about fishing anymore. But to be a fisher of men... It does mean a couple of things, and I, so I guess I am going to talk about fishing a little bit more. Uh, if you're a fisherman, you know that in order to be a fisher of fish, you've got to know fish. You've you got to know what they eat. Uh, you've got to know when they eat. You've got to know when they're not going to eat. You've got to know the kind of water that you're fishing and what it takes to uh, draw a strike a bite from those fish you you got to know the fish and the same thing's true when we're fishing for men and women boys and girls when we're going to where they are and sharing the good news of jesus christ uh, we've got to understand who they are we got to know them we got to know their hurts Got to know their heart you got to you got to understand where they're coming from you know um Last week at our church, I made a comment about one of the cultural um, moments in, in, in our nation. Um, and uh, this isn't my church, so I won't talk about it. But, but part of that cultural moment is recognizing the broken-hearted, broken soul of people who are making decisions that are absolutely insane. You know, people who don't have God, they're going to behave like they don't have God, and they're going to create as many different gods as they possibly can to try to fill the hole in their soul. So instead of just mocking them for their insane choices, we ought to be brokenhearted over their brokenness. Understanding where they are, understanding that the only hope that they have for a whole life is uh, not changing he to she or she to he, that the only hope they have for a whole life is finding Jesus and Jesus taking hold their heart and rescuing them from their sin. But we've got to understand, they're broken. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and mock them and laugh at them and curse them. But Luke 15.1 tells us that Jesus hung out with sinners, ate dinner with them, tax collectors and sinners made the religious folk mad, but he did that because he wanted them to be rescued. If we're going to be fishers of men, we've got to be more like Jesus and understand the people who are broken around us. You know the guy that you work with. When I was in college, I was a a welder's apprentice uh, for a prefab company. We lived in southeast Texas and uh, we, uh, this prefab company did business with all the oil refineries there in Southeast Texas. And, uh, I started out cleaning cigarette butts off the shop floor and, uh, grew into being a welder's apprentice. It was hard work and it, it convinced me I needed to get my college degree quicker because it's hard work and it, you know, I just wasn't cut out for it. Um, but I, I lasted three years doing it and it was great. It was fun. Uh, but people in the shop, you knew the people in the shop Uh, knew who I was they called me preacher number one I wasn't a preacher at that point but they called me preacher and anytime I walked up their language kind of cleaned up and if they said a curse word they would apologize to me as if I mattered and there was one guy who was always um, he he, we got paid on every Friday and every Friday they would take the check and they go down to the Chevron station down the road And they would cash their check at the Chevron station. They'd take the cash and they would take it and they'd go buy as much beer or wine or liquor or whatever they could. And this guy was the king of the party. And he was just, every week he would spend almost all his money, all his paycheck uh, to booze it up. I came in one Saturday to do some, uh, to mow the yard because, again, that was my job. Um, And I came in on, and There was this guy, this this party animal, and he was passed out uh, on the shop floor. And he was a mess. He heard me come in, and he eventually identified me, and he said, Preacher, come here. I need to to talk to you. He said, "I'm, I'm just miserable, and I don't know what's wrong with me. And I can't get a grip on my life. I just don't belong. I don't belong here. I don't belong anywhere. I'm just miserable. And I said, Jimmy, what what do you think the problem is? And he began to identify how this circumstance was against him and this problem was in his life and this was a struggle and this was a relationship that's gone bad. And I said, you know, Jimmy, all those things are true. All those things are true, and I understand how that hurts your heart. But even if all those things were right, you would still have that hole inside your gut that you couldn't fill. And I shared with him how that Jesus is God's son, fully God yet fully man who left heaven's throne on a rescue mission to rescue someone just like Jimmy. That Jesus was born in a manger in in Bethlehem, slipping uh, his deity in the skin and the sandals of humanity. He lived his life perfectly without blemish or fault. So that he might go to a cross for a sinner just like Jimmy. And die for Jim, uh, Jimmy's crimes against God's holiness, his sin. And be buried in an empty tomb. And be raised from the dead three days later. I said, Jimmy, Jesus did that to rescue you. Jimmy, your only hope for a satisfying, content life, your only hope is a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jimmy, is that something you want to do today? Jimmy, this is This is your shot. Tears in his eyes, hands shaking. Jimmy looked at me and he said, no. I can't. I can't. I can't. He got up and he left. Never saw Jimmy again. Never came back to work. Don't know what happened to him. But there are Jimmys all around you. Everywhere you work, everywhere you play, everywhere you are, there are Jimmys all around you. And following Jesus means that you're going to share Jesus with your Jimmy. Our following Jesus. It changes everything. Let's pray together. Lord God, I'm thankful that you've given us your word and that you have called us to know you intimately and personally, that you've given us this great privilege of knowing you as our Savior and trusting you as our Lord. And in this room tonight, I'm so confident that the vast majority of people here today, right now, have entered into that relationship with you. They're part of your family through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and so my prayer for us, my prayer for me, and for every person here who is part of your family, Oh God, help us to follow you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.